Welcome to The Master Plan, a property podcast. I'm Rebecca Shackleton from Polkadot Property. And I'm Nikita Jenkin from Scattered Recruitment. Nikita and I have come together to do this podcast with a goal of unpicking the complexities and the nuances of the property industry. We want to do that by interviewing guests who will offer insights on the industry and their career journeys. We're really excited to have you on this journey with us and we're going to have a lot of fun along the way. PropTech and marketing strategist Amber Keogh has played a key role in launching award-winning PropTech innovations on both the commercial and residential sides of real estate. Currently leading early-stage PropTech startup Release Me, which promotes fairness and convenience in off-the-plan real estate, Amber believes PropTech is key to the future of more desirable and sustainable housing outcomes, along with better collaboration between property, PropTech, industry bodies and government. Morning, Nikita. Morning, Amber. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you so much, Nikita and Rebecca, for having me. Glad to be here. So let's just get straight into it. Um, Amber, can you explain to everybody listening what Release Me does and what the platform has been designed to solve? Absolutely. So the platform was designed for buyers to have a fair, convenient and engage in a digital off the plan for a release. Um, But at the same time for sellers, so property developers and project marketers, it really streamlines and automates that release workflow. So from the time the release goes live to contract signing, everything is digital, everything is automated. um, So it really drives those efficiencies and performance outcomes as well. And it really, you know, became apparent that there needed to be a solution after there was multiple releases of new land estates and campouts for days and days, which was, you know, at the time a really energising and exciting, um, you know, release. But the reality of that customer experience is that it's a pretty poor one. Um, So I think, you know, I was certainly in the industry when that was all happening and then, you know, and I think that's probably... Um, why there was the need in the market. What was the process? So you're saying people are camping out. So Mm -hmm. for example, this is off the plan. So when a developer has product, has property, has land lots, what would have been the situation? And then where does Release Me come in to change that situation? There was often a lot more demand than there was supply. So there were certain lots that families really wanted to secure. And the only way that they could do that, because we used to release prior to release me being an option in market, we would release on a first and first serve basis. So you would think that someone would go, fantastic, I'll get there at 6 a.m. Oh, so and then they were getting there tickets. at 6 p.m. the night before. Okay, and you. then it just got to the stage where there were people sleeping out in their cars for multiple nights. Oh, my God, for land. For land. I never, I did not know And we justified it at the time because we kind of went, you know, people will camp overnight to buy sneakers. So, you know, this is the biggest, one of the biggest investments that they'll ever make. Um, But then it just became the norm. And and Does that still happen? um, Not in the current market. And I think Amber's going to kind of touch on, on that with Release Me and how you guys have, pivoted to um to a market that had really high demand and now it's um it's a bit of a softer market but it really it was a it was exciting for people at the time but then I think you know when it just continued to happen and well, there has to be happen, a better solution there has to be a better solution so that's what is the solution that release me offers like how does the mechanism of the platform how does it solve that issue 
Well, first in, first serve was the traditional way of releasing in fixed time as well. So mm. buyers had to get there a certain time. You'd be first in line or, or next in. And, and buyers were really challenged by that because they were taking, it wasn't just their first release they would go to. Month in, month out, they're going to line up, missing out on these properties. Mm. And it's it's really quite unfair because most releases are held on the weekend. Um, and, and people who are purchasing these properties, they may be weekend workers, they may be mm. carers. One in five Australians has a disability. Travelling to site, they may be coming from long distances. Um, perhaps they've got families, they've got obligations and uh, it disadvantages many of those people. So what we did is we brought the digital solution to market. Buyers can participate via release anywhere they are. Um, property developers simply create the release in 10 minutes. They send a URL to their buyer. So rather coming to the office, being first in, first serve, mm. what it is, it's um, and it's not fixed time either. So buyers can participate from their device. They pop in their property preferences against the lots that are available. And the platform uses an algorithm that actually fairly and equitably allocates the property. Um, so there's no first in, first, uh, best mm. dress requirement. Um, but buyers, is it yes. first in to click on the URL? No, it's oh. not that either. So it's not fixed time. Mm. Let's say a release goes live at 9am and they may cut off those buyer applications at 12pm. It doesn't matter, Nikita, if you were before me, no matter what time we get those preferences in, um, the algorithm allocates the stock at a certain time. So at 12pm, allocations cut off. Nikita, you and I might have the same first preference. It will randomly allocate between us and so on and so forth. Mm. Um, So in times of high demand, we had uh, releases through our platform where there may be 50 properties going to market. There were 900 participants on mm. the platform, over 2,000 buyer preferences. Mm. Um, so it really is fair and equitable for the buyers. Is it, it more like a lottery then? Certainly a not a lottery because buyers can put in multiple preferences. So let's say uh, when you line up at the release at the office, um, you might have one preference in mind. It goes, and then you're at the sales office and you have to make a really quick decision on, well, do I want what's available or not? Mm. And then we're going to miss out potentially anyway. This gives buyers the time to actually think about their preferences and pop them in. Um, they can pop in up to 10 preferences. So pop them in order. If they miss out on their first preference, they might get their second preference in the second allocation round or third and fourth and so on. So buyers actually are making a more informed decision Mm. about what they want and they're treated fairly at the same time. I guess that just wrapping my head around it, the old way would have been, yes, the first person there, you know, the early bird gets the worm. But in this situation, it is a fairer and, as you say, more equitable situation for everybody involved. I guess is that that's yeah, the difference. Yeah, it, it brings the, the experience for the customers is really bad. So rather than taking time every Saturday to go line up at a, what is a sales office in a paddock for most <laughs> most instances, we've had buyers that participate in release and purchase property while they're out playing cricket, they're shopping, they're on holiday, they're visiting family, they're having brunch. And they do it through a click of a button on their phone. So it is a better experience for the buyers. At the same time, that drives efficiencies um, for the sellers as well. We've heard reports of up to 70% reduction in sales closure time alone. Um, that's just one of the benefits. Additionally, the seller gets all of those buyer preferences that they wouldn't get in a traditional release. And so those buyer preferences, one, helps them understand what's popular. Mm. And it's often not what they expect will be. So it allows them to adjust pricing, bring product to the market sooner that really meets customer demand. So there goes their profit potential up. Um, Additionally, it reduces that time and cost of sale as well because a traditional release isn't just a lineup. Oftentimes they put on entertainment. There's facilities, Mm. there's food, there's costs there upwards of it's forty fifty thousand. And you know, know, I think I've never been to one of those. um, Well, the other way that we used to do it. Is a ballot, so an old school lotto, you well, know, that's balls a lottery, in a barrel. 
And then if your number came up, you could come and pick which lot you wanted. And as Amber said, you could just see people's teeny tiny little hearts breaking because somebody before them has gotten put in, put a sticker on the lot that they really wanted. So, you know, so there was no perfect way to do it. And I think as developers, we always thought, you know, creating that theatre and the buzz and all of those kind of things, and it, it could be a really good thing. But I think to digitise it and to be able to confidently communicate that it was a fair process is a much better experience for the customers and the project in the long run. And I guess with all of that in mind, you know, what are property developers thinking now and are they adopting new tech and, um, you know, do you think that they need to be looking a bit closer at their processes because there's still there's some that are probably ahead of the curve in, in terms of the um, the way that they're adopting tech and there's certainly some that that aren't. We're in an industry where DocuSign is revolutionary. Mm. That's what's seen as revolutionary in technology. So I certainly think property developers are really not paying enough attention to when it comes to technology. And I think what, what I'm not seeing is a focus on building competitive advantage through technology. A lot of people are just digitizing old ways of doing things mm. or their current ways of doing things, but they have an opportunity to build new competitive advantage by adopting technology and adopting new ways of working. So, um, look, when I think about business transformation or the transformation of processes, um, what I would do if, if they're not focused on it and where they could start is just taking a step back, actually documenting their business process map their project life cycle, their customer journey, and then looking at tech that can interplay and provide multiplicative benefits along the way. Release me as an example. That provides a great customer experience. Mm. That ticks ESG boxes at the same time as How commercial. How does it tick ESG boxes? So as far as um, the environmental side of things, you no longer, if you didn't need to, you no longer need to um, potentially erect a sales office, print out all that sales material, have buyers oh, yeah, traveling yeah. to and from site. Mm. So those are some of those benefits. Additionally, because you get those buyer, deep buyer preferences, you understand what product to bring to market sooner and you don't get that lagging stock. Mm. So you're providing product to market um, where the market really wants it. From a social perspective, I mean, look, first in, first serve releases have the opportunity to elicit subconscious or unconscious bias in that property allocation process. Mm. Um, at the same time, you're disadvantaging those people who can't come to site on the day, um, mm. which, like I said, is is quite a number of Australians when you think about people who do who do have weekend work, who are carers, who've got young families. So um, from that perspective, that's how we fit into that, that ESG piece. And it's a very simple and low-cost way of getting a little bit of that social licence um, in that sales process, which is difficult to do. Mm. Most people think of ESG in, in purely the development side mm. or yeah, the land well, side. environmental and sustainability and all of that, but it's so much more than that. You can tick boxes with ESG at every every stage of the project life cycle and that's where that um, that that lens, that holistic lens of looking at your processes and, and looking at your customer journey and then seeing what tech can interplay. And how have you seen the sales experience shift with tech and in particular the way that a sales professional would interact with a customer if that ability for them to sell and to um to to do that initial experience piece with the customer shifts to a, a tech space yeah how does that has that evolved the the sales process but realistically buyers are researching comparing and selecting their desired properties online more and more you know a lot of developers have adopted things like interactive mapping um visual 
mm. sales experiences on their website. So for the most part, buyers have, have sometimes made that decision mm. um, already before they're even considering joining the release or coming into a sales office. So um, I do think what it does, it just enables more of a seamless customer experience um, and allows the salespeople and also the the property developers to put their resourcing back into what it matters. Um, think later down the line with community experiences mm. or the development itself. Mm. Does release me though, in, in a way, potentially remove the requirement for the face-to-face communication, which a lot of people, when they are buying property, and Beck, you say, you know, the biggest asset or the biggest purchase someone will make in their career, just devil's advocate here, it doesn't remove that that personal approach and therefore may some developers be concerned that if they were to use Release Me instead of physical salespeople and physical display officers, that that element of experience is removed. There's certainly a combination effort. What Release Me does for developers is it streamlines and automates some of those really resource-heavy and antiquated processes during the release. So by the time the release goes live all the way to a contract signing, mm. Release Me just takes care of the nitty-gritty contract preparation, deposit collection, uh, particulars of sale, those sorts of things, mm. um, and then really gives the, the sellers the time to put back into their customers. Mm. So Release Me is a tool that a salesperson can use, um, but it doesn't necessarily eliminate their... Because I would assume that sales teams or even sales managers may be a little concerned um, that they're going to be redundant if the if the developer goes with a tech service like this. But you're saying you can you still use it, so you don't um, remove the human element. Absolutely. Look, a sales agent's license is always needed to sell real estate. So they're never going to be fully removed from the process, but it just reduces that, that time and cost to close the sale. Like I said, up to 70% reduction in the sales closure time. So mm. it gives them more focus to actually move on to the next customers, sell to those people, um, think about their marketing a bit more strategically as well, mm. um, and, and put their resourcing actually where it matters, not in the nitty gritty of, of the sales process yeah. necessarily, yeah. Um, but but more into attracting and attracting buyers, reselling to other members of their family, those sorts of things. Um, but I will say for small and medium developers, what Release Me does, um, particularly as we move through market cycles, it enables them to manage their their spend and their resourcing according to, mm. to that to that life cycle. Mm. So certainly, there may be um, it's a less resource-intensive process using Release Me, um, which means they may not need to hire up for the next project or perhaps those resourcing is, is just put into future sales rather than the nitty-gritty of, of the release process. And that's a really interesting segue because I wanted to talk about the different market cycles and when Release Me was brought to market, we were in a very different market to what we are now with very high demand. So how has Release Me evolved or pivoted to support developers in a softer market? Absolutely. We were really fortunate that when we came to market, it was high demand, um, which like I said, for some of our some of our clients, property developers, they had releases of 20 to 50 lots and had upwards of 500 interested buyers Those participating. Days, my friends. <laughs> As we've moved into a softer market cycle, the benefits of Release Me still um, are there for the property developer. It may not be managing that demand, but it's expanding their reach because mm. anyone can participate no matter where they are. So they're more likely to participate. They pop in more preferences they can utilize the data from that high demand with those buyer preferences, better map out their project pipeline, bring stock to the market sooner that people want. So there's yeah. those two things. It's more well. insight driven about the customer product. Absolutely. And, yeah. But as we were t- discussing just now, 
release me enables them to scale down on their resourcing mm. if needed. Um, so when they do host a release, it costs less uh, for them. So the, from an operational perspective, the performance benefits are there. Mm. Additionally, when we launched in market, obviously it was it was um, high demand market. As we moved quickly into a slower demand market, that enabled us to bring our product um, development lifecycle to market sooner. So what we had in the uh, waiting to go live was this buy now option, which is a passive e-commerce sales mm. um, tool and it effectively la- allows buyers to purchase online at any time. Buyers, like I said, have gotten used to this research and comparing and selecting property online. This enables them to purchase property online and it's passive sales generation, mm. low cost, enables the the project website to be more transparent, um, enables buyers to make that purchase decision if they're already there, um, which has been really valuable for some of our clients, particularly as they scale back and down over Christmas. Mm. Uh, purchases often do make decisions around that time. And I was probably surprised that we had someone buy, one of our clients had property um, which sold on Christmas Eve last year, passively Probably through their project website. Oh my God, imagine this morning, oh, I bought you a house. Oh, I bought you a parcel of land. Merry Christmas. I don't know if you can still cool off in the festive period. Yeah. Really. <laughs> Under I've the influence definitely of bought, wine, is definitely that a bought things online that I've gone, oh, I probably didn't need that. Um, I've never done that with a property though. So who is, who, who, does, who uses Release Me? Is it I mean, is it predominantly land developers with land off, like off the plan land stock? Is it built form developers as well? Who is who is the user of Release Me? Yeah, so our, our primary target um, and our current client base is is largely made up of those master plan community developers, those landlock develop, developers. But our platform is also geared for townhouses and apartment stock too. Um, so it really covers those three level of assets. And um, I know there's some really interesting. Uh, new types of built form products coming to market and we may be entering in those sorts of markets as well. Does that include transactions that are overseas? Are they able to and how do you make sure that that's um, fair, fair for local buyers as well so that a project doesn't get sold or snapped up completely by FIRB? Yeah, so look, our, hang on, um, hang on. One of those um, moments, foreign investors. Okay, thank you so much. Yeah. The release process is open to all buyers, but uh, fundamentally what the platform does, it enables the sellers to go out to their customer list. So the release URL is highly secure um, and it only goes out to the customers that the seller or the property developer sends oh. that link to. So they have their CRM. So it's not available publicly. That's so good it's not though because so, they can then, you know, it's like if you're invested in a developer or you've had the time and you've gone along with the process with the salesperson, you can be confident that that hasn't been wasted and someone else who's never met anyone at that, you know, is going to come in and swoop. Absolutely. It gives the developers a lot of control as well because in these first investor dress release, um, previously I know from anecdotal experience mm. from some of our clients, they would be swamped from buy their cousins, mm-hmm. their cousins' friends, um, purely to snap up all the properties on one street, say. Yeah. Um, so the process is, uh, the release is only available to those buyers that uh, the seller has has stipulated. Yeah. yeah. And so it, whilst it's fair and equitable and it is convenient and online, it's highly secure as well. Yeah. Who are, who are your competitors? Do you have any competitors? We have no direct competitors at the mm. moment that I'm aware of. Um, so, yeah, we are first in market, a, mm. a unique product and proud to be so. Do you think that's something that, you know, it, it may be on the horizon? Do you think, you know, people will hear about this and someone may have investment and, you know, kind of, 
want to capture the market or, or come in and do it differently because that is a risk of always of being the first person in market is that there's copycats and there's other people who will take your platform potentially the idea of it and run with it and do something else is that a a thought that's in that's in the back of anyone who's working in a startup's mind is mm. um you know and at the very beginning you're always conscious of what you put put out into market but um there may always be be copycats but we have some of the best pro- uh, product developers um, mm. in the world working on Release Me, so um, we're confident that if there were competitors, that our product would outshine them. And that's why we always, um, you know, we have a long product development pipeline that we we bring to the market um, continuously. New features, new functions to be best in breed. Um, at the same time, uh, I think a lot of prop techs in Australia look for partnerships. So potentially, some of those people that that may have an idea to be a competitor are actually going to be better off being a partner yeah. and work in tandem to bring um, more value to the clients who who may be the same people we're servicing. And how have you seen PropTech evolve since you started with Release Me? Have you seen much evolution outside of um, the software that you provide in terms of the entire industry and well, it's technology. It's a very broad yeah. umbrella, isn't it? Like prop tech, like anything yeah. can be prop tech. And I assume I'm not a prop tech expert, but you can probably comment on this better, but there's like probably segments of prop tech. Like one would be software. One would probably be, I don't sales know. Yeah. Sales environment. Yeah. Digitize, digitization, I think has been a big one. It's certainly um, a growing sector um, and the way that I've seen it evolve is is recently more prop techs coming to market in the residential sector. It used to be very commercial sector heavy, mm. asset management, asset optimization, uh, which is sort of the background that I had and now it's moved into um, a lot more players in the residential sector. I will say one of the trends I'm noticing and I think it's a good thing is more partnerships among existing prop techs. Um, a lot of people do solve one small problem. We, we solve a, a, a one problem in the value chain, but there may be people in maybe the contracts and settlement side of uh, prop tech who, who may be a good partner I with. I think DocuSign's a good example of, um, you know, fairly innovative process, which has been digitalized and it's unbelievable that we used to have stacks of contracts sitting um, to be checked and physically signed. It's so much easier to be able to go through that experience through DocuSign. So I guess that's what you're saying. It's one element in the entire kind of customer journey. Are there any others that you're seeing? One trend that I'm seeing, and it's not necessarily prop tech, but a tech trend. When I first started in in release me indeed just just prop tech in general i notice a lot more companies i mean i've seen this in property developers as well they try to develop in-house mm. for their problems and one thing i'm noticing you know two years 18 months down the track within release me is that those solutions are unable to keep up um, with their needs mm. and a lot of the time if you're developing in-house you don't put the same amount of resources towards it you don't have the customer support team you don't have a full-time um, product developer there to make sure that you're platform is stable, keeps up with what you're needing um, and can be innovative and and iterative as well. So I've noticed um, maybe a shift away from that and looking out to market to adopt technology um, rather than developing in-house. When you say developing in-house, what you mean is a property technology, a prop tech platform or app or solution or software that solves a back-end problem for a developer, not necessarily a provides a solution to a customer. What I mean by developing in-house is property developers or um, project marketers or, or any traditional um, property industry uh, company or stakeholder developing 
solutions in their own business. So as part of their CRM, probably as an example. So they're implementing a whole new customer um, management system and then going, oh, we can just solve this. So let's just solve our release methodology while we're building out this huge CRM. And that's a huge job to do anyway, to build and implement a effective CRM. And I think what, um, what Amber's saying is that they're trying to add on the back of that and it's probably not as effective as using off-the-shelf products. Yeah, so looking to the market for technology rather than, okay, like I said before, solving old problems by trying to create a digital solution in-house, so actually developing, doing the product development Mm. in-house. And a lot of people, um, let's say during COVID, uh, did think about that and they use their standard IT teams um, and and developers and, and no disregard to them, um, but they're also there busy solving internal mm. problems um, rather than iterating on their their product that they've created um, to solve their problems. So, Are uh, there any uh, prop tech businesses that you look at and you are, are impressed by what they're doing, any brands, any people you think are doing it fantastically besides Release Me? Absolutely. There are so many prop techs in market that I'm so excited about. Um one being Archistar are really um, dominant in the market and they solve a lot of problems for property developers and mm. adjacent. Um, certainly when it comes to feasibility of projects, mm. what should we be developing and where environmental impact? I went to the Urban Developer Summit last year, this year, I can't remember, um, and Archistar did a presentation and I am not an archi- architect and I was really impressed at what they were doing and I was like, this is probably some of the most amazing technology, you know, I've seen why would you know why wouldn't you add this to your deck of of skills so that I was impressed by them absolutely there are so many impressive technologies and I suppose from the prop tech sector side one of the most more frustrating things when we think about housing um, development outcomes affordability and all the challenges that we're facing today um, in the housing market and the development life cycle is that there's there is a lack of uh, integration partnership between property prop tech, government and industry bodies. And so a lot of value is left on the table from all players. So we're seeing some of these issues come to come to the market and even the rental crisis or housing availability, which we're going to see um, big problems with the speed to get property developments to market, get housing to market at affordable prices that are ESG friendly. These are some of the solutions that PropTech have the answer for. Well, there's um, a huge gap there, isn't there, in the housing affordability crisis for someone to come in and provide some sort of solution that connects all these bodies together because that is a, it is a crisis. I mean, that's what that's where technology is meant to come in and serve to help us move forward and get through these issues. So that's like a huge opportunity for someone, some tech billionaire to jump in and and sort that out. Even the data and insights that all these prop techs derive from the the solutions they bring to market uh, could really assist um, both government and developers in bringing projects to market that not people don't only need, but they really want, you know, would a solution to that being, um, you know, your your team and, and other prop tech companies lobbying industry bodies to make sure that you've got a seat at the table, that you can talk about these solutions and actually talk with whole of industry about it? Co-collaboration between industry mm. bodies would be fantastic, both 
the, the major property industry bodies, mm. um, as well as those, the co-collaboration between those bodies, um, prop tech providers, property stakeholders yeah. and government. And we've seen recently, um, what happens when governments make unilateral decisions yes. in spite of these agreements. Yeah. Um, it can, be a detriment to, to, to both the consumer at the end of the day mm. and also the industry itself. So I would love to see um, some convergence of these industry bodies, mm. um, these stakeholders come together and and really work on solutions, put that data and those insights out there on the table um, and deliver housing and outcomes that, that Australians need and want. Going back to, to you as a professional and your career journey to date, there might be some people listening to this who are in a traditional property role who think I would actually love to break into the prop tech space. And that's really, I find that really intriguing and, and interesting, but they're not sure of the pathway to get there. Can you talk a little bit about how people can, I guess, pivot their career paths if they are really interested in this as a different category? Absolutely. I think every company needs a tech champion. So if your company doesn't have that tech champion and, and you have an interest, um, get researched, find out what you're passionate about, look at your own company's processes, uh, project lifecycle, customer journey. And then, you know, if you're not in the position to, to have a seat at the C-suite table, write that memo, mm-hmm. um, try and create change within your own organization. Um, and like I said, look at high impact, low cost, um, tech or, mm. or solutions. Um, and that gets rungs on the board. Um, it gets buy-in a lot quicker as well when you see that high impact return on, um, investment very quickly. So I'd say look at the, the company that you work in initially and see what can you do there. And then if it's something you enjoy, mm. then maybe move out, um, broader into the market. Mm. So maybe reach out to people like you or to other people working for prop techs and ask for a coffee and, you know, have a chat about about different ways. Jump on a podcast. Go to a podcast, chat yes. to a recruiter. Where exactly? <laughs> chat to scouted for sure. But yeah, if if you are in in those sorts of industries and you're interested in prop tech, into, yeah. interested in 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 moving into that market, absolutely. I'm because you can in property and Nikita, I'm sure you can speak to this, but you do get um, pigeonholed quite often into the um, you know the, the role that you're in if oh, you're absolutely. a property marketer um, or if you're a development manager it's dif- difficult for, to then go actually no I want to um, you know I want to get and into I'm, a different I'm space. guilty of it of telling people candidates themselves unfortunately I you know someone may want to transition whether it be mm. from say marketing into development or from sales into development and I am sometimes the bearer of of a bit of reality that that transition is really tough mm. and that may not be possible for you because unfortunately a, an employer will look at you for your skill set mm. and assume that I mean that's the best value they can get out of you is from your current skill set not mm. sort of put you know you may have a tech um, background and on the weekend you may be fully immersed in tech but if you don't have the qualifications or the experience um, employed in that role it's very unlikely someone will take a chance on you. So but it's finding those moments and doing special where you projects. Can get that. And, yeah. So yeah. if you can yeah. add to your wheelhouse in some sort of recognizable form whether it be a course or a volunteer experience or I mean I don't know if people do that really these days but if you can just legitimize your interests in some capacity, you'll have a much easier chance of transitioning Mm. and pivoting to something else. Yeah, absolutely. In my previous role, I carved out that for myself because I was interested in the technology. I didn't have um, product development background, but I was there. Like putting your hand up and being like, I'll, I'll, you know, 
showing me how to do this. Absolutely. Well, here's a problem. I think this is a solution. Mm. Can we get the right people around us to to develop it, bring it to market, and then just taking that lead um, and and building out your skill set alongside that. I had some great people to to work with and learn from, but um, certainly I went out and did my own um, learning and study as well alongside that, just to 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 bulk but you up what the skills you, I needed. You took that chance, like you you brought that chance to you. You didn't wait. Like a lot of people, I think, wait and sometimes you know, we'll, we'll think, well, the chances aren't coming to me, therefore, you know, what was me? Like, I'm never going to do it. You have to go and make those chances happen. You have to go out there and get, you know, the, the recognition, talk to the right people. You have to pick up the phone and make those phone calls mm-hmm. and ask for those coffees and ask for those opportunities. Otherwise, they won't come to you. And just speaking to those right people, can I pick your brain on this? This mm. is something that I'm interested in. They might have something that they want your advice on because as a marketer, I think we do have a really fantastic skill set when it comes to looking at go-to-market strategies, which is really fundamental for prop techs and mm. technologies, new product development. That's so fundamental, um, a really key piece of, of the pie. So, And I also think when you look about working in your own organisation, you know, if you're doing good things in your organization already, chances are your C-suite will be receptive to your ideas. Mm. And I guess I'm really interested in broadly, what's the next thing that you think will disrupt the industry? Um, one of our clients in particular, Yourland, um, recently had their, their premiere release mm. uh, for a new project called Society 1056. And that project um, ticks so many sustainability goals. Um, they're, they're embedded into the types of products and housing that the that the customer will have so they don't have to make those decision decisions themselves such as solar panels um gas free it's a gas free community mm. um as well as um some of the 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 civil elements of the the community um roads planting landscaping all of that um so that's really inspiring to see developers taking an ESG lead and and I see that being a big focus. I think ESG has sort of sat in the background mm. um, for a little while. It's been bubbling away and it's almost been like I used I to work. this is the year of ESG. I think so. I used to work in compliance and we called it the begrudging payment <laughs> of property, yeah. which it is. And of any business, compliance is a begrudging payment, right? Yeah. Um, and I think ESG for a while was thought of that way, but now people are really seeing that it it will drive value creation. The consumer wants it. Investors want it lenders want to see your ESG commitment and at the end of the day you have an opportunity to make your mark on the master plan landscape um, Mm. by adopting these things early on. Ultimately, four or five years' time, this is all going to be embedded in compliance anyway. Mm. You'll need to tick those ESG goals. A huge opportunity for tech and ESG to combine at this point in time because there isn't really, that's not really a thing at the moment, but to me that's the next yeah, I mean, there are, you know, talking about Arkansas, there are a lot of tech products that um, really can help property developers with their ESG goals. A lot of property developers hire, and in, in a lot of cases, lenders will look for it as well. They have a sustainability consultant um, for their for their developments, um, which is absolutely paramount. Not a lot of developers have a tech consultant or a tech advisor to actually take a look back at that project lifecycle. What are the technologies that mm. we can integrate and implement along the life cycle um, to deliver both on ESG goals but commercial goals? And they don't need to be mutually exclusive. A lot of the times they actually are benefits of the tech that you get together. Well, that's a really good point, potentially having a technology consultant because 
you know, this is kind of, if I can bring it back down to something that's relevant to me, I don't really understand how to use TikTok. Okay. So I wait for the reels to come on Instagram, but my assumption is that within property, there would be a lot of people at a, you know, a C-suite level managing director, business owners who are probably wary or, or just not confident in their knowledge or understanding of all the up and coming tech. I mean, there's that many apps out there, that many different things, um, you know, that it can kind of be overwhelming, you know, a technology consultant, or are there any other suggestions or comments that you think could put people's mind at ease when it comes to, okay, I have this business, I have to involve tech at some point, where do I go from here? Yeah, like I said earlier, I think a lot of the the pitfalls of tech adoption um, for traditional industry is that people often look at the thing, the way they do things currently and they just digitize what they're already doing rather than taking that step back and mm. mapping out everything that they're doing, actually having a strategy behind it and selecting and adopting technology that um, provides multiplicative benefits across um, their business client facing um, and project as well. So I think what um, that's a first step. One, actually map out what you're, what you're doing currently. And two is just speak to people. I, provide advice to a number of developers who just come to me and ask about tech generally. Mm. It doesn't well, need to be released. It's not necessarily mm. like which app, like you, it's like what first. And yes. that's, I think what people may be apprehensive about and just not do it and, and figure it out later, but it's taking that first step, but being able to, to get some help and some knowledge of course. on that. Yeah. To make sure everything integrates seamlessly because you want your CRM to talk to your digital map and then talk to your, your release methodology and then mm-hmm. you know, talk, close the loop back to your CRM. So I mean, maybe this is something though I can get into in the recruitment space is technology advisors for developers. Okay. Because There's a new market for you. All right, okay, I'm going I'm to start <laughs> doing that tomorrow. Absolutely. And oftentimes um, traditional businesses will hire a, a CTO. Mm-hmm. Um, again, those types of roles are fantastic. What they're doing though is also looking at internal, uh, you know, there's a large, all your internal stakeholders, which are your staff, you know, you might have a hundred staff, everything, all of their problems wind back up to that CTO. So they're really not looking at best in breed in market and they, maybe they're not aware of that full market landscape. So tech advisors, um, even the, the Prop Tech Association of Australia, our member body is huge. It is fantastic. Um, and people who sit on the board of that are also advisors. So, um, I'd say if, if you are an industry, um, and you are thinking about what a tech strategy could be, how you can be best in breed. Um, and this is where it becomes competitive advantage. Like I was talking about, you don't need to adopt technology just to iterate on what you're already doing. Actually thinking about how can I gain competitive advantage by, by the technology that I adopt and, and, and then going out and selecting or talking to people about what that could be. So, um, certainly tech advisors, but also our industry bodies and people who just work in the space as well are always happy and willing to talk because we're champions of each other. Mm. Do you have the um, release me? Is it an app? It's not an app. It's a web app. Mm. So rather than actually having to download an app because we all have enough apps on our phone, Mm. it's a web app. Um, It allows it to be more secure as well, which is really important in property transactions. Mm. I was going to say take us through using it, but I guess... You have to sign up to a developer and be part of their list to get mm. the URL to use the app. Okay, I'm understanding now. You can't just go play around. Yeah. I think if pe- I think people will go and jump on to your website after hearing this, though. Yeah, if anyone actually yeah. wants to have a look at the product, we have mm. we have demos online. But just book a demo. Mm. 
I'll be there. I'll say hi. It takes 15 minutes, half an hour. And we um, might put a link or something in yeah. our post where people can reach out to you. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to hear from them. So, Amber, the property industry and also the technology IT space, both are quite heavily male-dominated in terms of business owners, employees, uh, leaders, all those sorts of things. As a female in, in both of those spaces and in those spaces combined, do you see any challenges? Do you have any comments for other females looking to move into prop tech? What are your thoughts on that? I think there's a really great opportunity for women in in property, um, in tech in general. I think we have a really great creative brains and we're really solution driven. So when you think about customers or or clients and and creating and solving those um, the problems that exist, I think women are paramount to doing that. Um, I think as being a woman in those environments. It's just key to keep going one and above. You're never going to always break down the biases that exist. And sometimes you walk into a workplace and you don't know that they're there um, and it can happen subconsciously over time. You may not be invited in on this meeting or this project and all those sorts of things. Or so every meeting you attend, it's you and 10 other men. Precisely. Um, so you, you kind of have to make yourself a seat at that table. Like I said, when I first started out um, in my in my career, I was really adamant about looking at the business, looking at the problems that were there and slipping memos to the, the CEO or the C-suite or my manager at the time, trying to solve those problems, really giving myself a voice mm. in the business, um, creating that that role and that that place in me in the business as well. So I think as an individual, it's really hard to come overcome um, some of the maybe the biases and the structures that that currently exist in business. And so you really have to do your best to, to create a seat at the table. At the same time, I think the skill sets um, in, in, in creativity, um, agility and customer um, understanding are really fantastic skill sets in these industries. And I think the needle is being pushed definitely. Mm. There's been change in the time that I've been it's, in. It's in my definitely career. shifting, but I do think that's really good advice. And I think as women, we sometimes tend to underplay our skill sets and our experience. So having the confidence to. I don't. <laughs> opposite. A lot of women do. A lot of women don't want to be in a boardroom and, you know, be have the loudest voice. And I think, you know, that is shifting a lot, but just having, building the confidence to be able to know that you deserve a seat at the table is a really um, a, a key point of advice. Mm-hmm. Definitely agree. And hopefully listening to people like you. So if there are young girls in there who have an interest in tech and maybe they don't, um, you know, have a lot of podcasts or have a lot of you know, people that they can look up to. Uh, maybe you can be that inspiration for other girls as well, which I think is great. I don't want to downplay things. We just said not to downplay <laughs> things. <laughs> Potentially. I, I think look at the value already bringing to the organisation. Where else can you bring bring those values? And additionally, Sometimes you just have to ask for things. Mm. I always ask. The worst thing that's going to happen is somebody says no. I've always asked for a pay rise. I've always asked um, for for a promotion. I've always asked for the seat at the table. And you'll be surprised how often you're going to hear the word yes. yes. Exactly. Mm. Put your hand up. Ask. You never know what yeah. will come your way. But Great come prepared. Advice. Provide value up front um, and, and definitely, you know, try and show your worth. Mm. What does the next five years look like for you as an individual and also for the business Release Me? Yeah, we're really excited about what we have coming to market at Release Me. So, like I said, our product development pipeline, um, 
we've got some exciting thing coming for our existing clients, but we're also looking at new verticals in the property space as well, as well as market expansion to um, to overseas uh, stakeholders as well. So that's really exciting for release me. Of course, like everyone in the, in the property development landscape, we're looking forward to the market cycle swinging back up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and looking forward to what our clients are bringing to market as well. Um, because our clients have got some fantastic projects ready to launch next year for myself personally. One thing that I'm really excited about, and I think I've touched on here before is, um, the convergence of industry, prop tech, government and our industry bodies as well. And I think it's it's absolutely fundamental to solving the challenges that we're seeing in the housing crises today, um, as well as creating futures that we really want for, for housing and, and master plan communities. So what I'm excited about um, is working with these stakeholders, um, driving partnerships, think tanks and um, discussion forward, how we can better work together and, and harness the data that we have, harness the analytics and the insights that we have and, and, and help bring product to market that people want. Good on you. Excellent. Well, that's probably a good place to leave it, Amber. So thank you so much for your time with us. Nikita and I have loved having the chat with you and um, good luck with everything. Thanks so much, Amber. I Look, I'm not a tech entrepreneur, but I feel like I understand this tech a little bit better and I think that's probably all we can ask for is better understanding. And if anyone wants to talk about tech generally, um, definitely reach out. It's been so lovely being here and talking with you girls and I can't wait to listen to this episode but every other episode that you bring out because I will say in the property industry, um, this is a fantastic podcast I've come across. Oh, the diversity of thought. <laughs> we really have no idea what we're doing. We're just, it's wonderful. We're just playing. We're just having a go. Just having fun. Yeah. Just having fun. Thank we'll you. keep doing what you're doing. Thank, Thank you so you. much. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode. Thank you also to our sponsors, Polkadot Property, a small but mighty marketing consultancy connecting people to place. And Scouted, your go-to for property and construction recruitment. To scout is to seek, to be scouted is to be found. If you'd like to get involved, you can reach out to Nikita and I at themasterplanpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to like, share and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time. Bye. Bye.